And welcome to True Story. Music my, to my ears. My name is Mike Doty. My name is Dave Holmes. We're going to talk about episode 11. As my dog barks softly in the background. Yes. Episode 11 of season one of The Real World. We're in the home stretch. We're, uh, it's the last couple of weeks yep. of these guys living together. Yep. Um, and, and and I would imagine, you know, you know, it's it's strange. It feels like a lot of a lot of what we see comes from the last like two or three weeks. Yes, because most there's, of the episodes were sort of wrung out of the last month. There's a bit of stress, right? Um, it is notable to me that the title of episode eleven is "Julie thinks Kevin is a psycho!" Exclamation point. Um, whereas today we would perhaps call him an abuser. Yes, and it would not be there would be no fun exclamation point at the end of that because yeah. what she says is that. So somebody calls from a record company. Uh-huh. Uh, she answers the phone, apparently is speaking blithely. Yeah. And then um, Kevin gets on the phone and the guy's like, yeah, whatever. Click. You're not serious about this. Mm-hmm. Click. Yeah. Kevin st- can't, can't stop saying click. Yeah. Very angry about the, the sudden hang up. Very. Yeah. He's very angry. Julie uh, says that Kevin uh, threw a candlestick said he was going to make her suck his dick mm-hmm. and he was going to break every bone in her body. Yeah. And they do a back and forth. Uh, general every finger. Every finger. In fairness, every finger. Every finger. <laughs> oh, look at the oh, way. Relief. Look at the way you've, in, you've inflated the threat. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a cuck. Mm. I'm going to cuck the shit out of this right now. Well. Um, oh, yeah. So... Um, and it's okay. It's all because of the dangers of living with one phone line. Yes. Living in a place with one phone number, one person can be talking on the phone at a time. Revolutionary from today's perspective. Right. And nobody else has an iPhone to be staring at. Nobody has a laptop. There is no internet to speak of. Yes. There is, if you want to communicate in any way with anybody outside of the loft, you have to leave the loft yep. or you have to get on the phone. Now, why? First of all, why is a record company calling Kevin Powell a performance poet uh, who has not ever done anything in the music business? In my mind, it is to write someone's press kit. <laughs> oh, you know that's what I mean? good. Like that's... write somebody's bio for their press kit. Right. Okay. Uh, that's. I think it's that kind of. That's explicable. I think it's like marketing copywriting. Um, why is he calling the house that Kevin clearly has been to like five times right. in the 13 week shoot? Right. In, in the last episode, Julie's mom comes to the loft. They go to Kevin's room and she says to her mom, well, he's never here. Uh-huh. Like they say that they put that oh, in yeah. the episode. In every episode, they mention that he's yeah. never there. Yeah. So he's got it. He's got somewhere else to be. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, also if you are, if you're giving somebody a number, uh, and you're saying, oh, okay, job person, uh, here's where you can reach me. Right. You should know that I'm on a television show and I have six <laughs> other <laughs> So this phone call might not go the way regular phone calls do. <laughs> there are a bunch of extensions in the house. There are some big personalities. So just, just know that going in. And I'm thinking maybe the first thing that happened here was someone from MTV calling up a record company saying... Will you call this guy on our show mm-hmm. at the line that's not his line, but the line of the set of the television program mm-hmm. and offer him a job? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So they so they speak. So they speak. They talk about. Let's see. It's 1992. So let's say he's going to write the. Um, and I'm just pulling this out of thin air. I'm going to say he's going to write the um, the press kit for Positive K. Whoa. Yeah. Man. Yeah. He's going to he's going to like it's something to send out to record label uh, to to radio stations that like after the, after the song's been out for a few weeks and it's starting to catch fire. Okay. You won't believe it, but Positive K plays both roles. And I got him. <laughs> so it's just a quick thing. There'll be some quotes from Positive K. He'll he'll put it in a long, you know, just like a long uh, artistic Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. He Positive K plays both roles? That's his Mike. voice sped up? Mike. You're, I didn't know what? Mike. You've ruined my world. Mike, you, you're the most naive heroin person I've ever <laughs> met in my life. It's so easy to pop your bubble. Oh, my God. Yes. Last week, too, we talked about how you told me that maybe not everything on Total Re- mm-hmm. Request Live was strictly democratic. Mm-hmm. This week, I learned yep. he just sped up his own voice. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy. You might have thought you might have thought it. You might have thought you might have heard it and you might have thought it. But you know what you said to yourself? What? I'm not trying to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to hear that now. No. I, I, by the way, an expression that I love. Oh, me too. Yes. Me too. And, I'm not trying and, to hear that. And that Heather deploys a few times. Yes. A, a memorably in, a, in an upcoming episode. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to hear it. That's another one I'd like to affect in my yeah. daily life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't quite work. Yeah. It doesn't quite it's work. It's like saying Hepcat. It's really, oh, yeah, really you old. Really, yeah. You've got to really strain for that, yeah. for that one. Uh, Norman comes in, assesses the damage. You know, there's clear tension in the air. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and um, Kevin is there with one of his coworkers, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's again, there's kind of an interloper. Yeah. The, the, it, it's as if Kevin bring, is bringing a lawyer. A little bit. Yeah. Yes. Eric does this from time to time in the episode. Yes. Uh, or not in this episode, in the season, rather. Um, th- that is a problem. Th- that was a note. That was a producer right. note at the end of the season. No interlopers. <laughs> no visitors unless they're clear. No one's allowed to bring their more credible friend That's to exactly explain right. for them. Yeah. If there's a big fight, the friend's got to go. First of all, I think Kevin is lying uh, i think you? because he keeps saying julie he's like that's not what i said julie julie he keeps saying her name over and over again in a way that's like why are you saying her name uh-huh. every time you say anything so you think he has a tell and the, yes you know big tell uh-huh. and then there is uh an exterior of uh interview with eric where he goes who says um, who are you going to believe, her or me, unless they are mm-hmm. lying? Mm-hmm. And and Eric is hopping mad and is talking about sure some violent action, yeah, some veiled violence mm-hmm. against uh, Kevin. But mm-hmm. you know what? He's right. Yeah, nobody who isn't lying says, "Who are you going to believe?" It's true. Yeah. There are holes in, in the story of the person yeah. who says that. Uh, my word against yours. My word. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. Uh, Norman wants to know what happens. Kevin gets very up in his face. Yes. Oh, oh, my God. Kevin with the close to the face thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's a uh, he's a close talker. Yep. It, which is an intimidating. A thing, close yeller. Period. A close yeller. That's exactly right. Uh, but we get to see in in real time Norman um, regain his temper. 
You know what I mean? Like he starts yes. a little angry, and then he gains and then his Kevin composure. Hits him down, and is able to explain what's going on. Yeah, to the point where Norman is like, "Okay, there are two sides to this. I need to know what's going on." Right. And Julie walks in, and I my skin crawled at the moment where Julie comes in, and the first before even hello, the first thing Norman says is, "Julie, I need to know what happened." <laughs> I right? loved that. If you've ever had roommates, and if there's ever been a problem with the roommates, there's that time when you've walked in, and it's like, "Oh shit!" There's I did something. I'm well, in trouble. Here is the thing that the, the children's do now mm-hmm. is they text their roommates. Okay. So, yes. So they, you know, I have not had a roommate in a great many years, but I have younger friends would be like, oh, my God, I got this text from my roommate that was really long about how I didn't clean the bathroom well uh-huh. enough. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-huh. Text from your Roommate, mm-hmm. your roommate. It's so much better for everybody. Uh, you d- have to admit it. The so texting? Much yes. No, not at all. Yes, it is. No, 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 no. Because you can say anything in a text. Whereas if you talk to someone in person, you just go, "Hey, uh, would you please clean the bathroom a little better?" That's exactly right. So it's n- it's never tense in person. You get to get all your feelings out and edit them. You shrug your bad feeling off on somebody else with in a, in a passive aggressive way, and then and they know what you're doing because they do it too, yeah. and it's like okay, I'll clean the thing. It's you, a better way of dealing. The, the millennials have it uh, sorted. You say this as a mature adult, yes, who to my knowledge has always been able to talk sensibly with other people. Yes, but if I'm going to have a fight, I'd rather do it over text. Yeah, but you, but you should, your your fight style is is a lot more. Because I remember your old place with your old roommates, and uh-huh. you guys got along, yeah, like really well, and negotiated things really mm-hmm. well. And so you, I do not see you writing an insanely long text with an incredible number of sort of insults. Yeah. Oh, I don't think yeah, you would no, do th- insults. You know, no. like like you know, like little sideways elbow insults, oh, not yeah, real no. insults. No, no, but no no. no, 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 it's so much That's worse for when you actually like get you know get into it face to face. My roommates and I fought a lot. We fought a lot. It would have been so much worse fighting. if you were texting. It was good fighting. Yes. It was productive fighting, yes. but we, we argued a lot. And it was actually a good thing. Yes. It was a good thing. We, were, we became better friends for it. So walking in and saying, I need to know what happened. Mm-hmm. First of all, great reality television. Movie. Oh, it's amazing. It's oh. amazing. And we get just a few, you know, we get a little bit into it. And, and it seems like we're going to reach a resolution. Uh, and we know that. Because uh, momentarily, the scene is scored by Van Halen's timeless Anthem of Hope <laughs> and Crystal Pepsi. Right, right now. now. Yes, it do. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Like, we know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Because because Sammy, Sammy Hagar's so. telling us. For Sammy Hagar tells us so. Well, I think what happened was that Kevin it, it had a freak out, said some terrible things. Uh-huh. And I think a grown up would be like, oh, my God. I had a freak out and said terrible things. Uh-huh. I am so sorry. Right. Instead, what happens is that multiple roommates individually say the stupid things that white people say to black people. Uh-huh. The dumbest, like, you know, like, I didn't even write him down. I was just, I was just cringing on the couch watching this thing is yeah. like, you know, like, uh, you know, like, why do you got to make it about black and white? This isn't about black. And yeah. It's just like, no, you idiot. Don't fucking say that. Yeah. Like, don't. But it's in reference to like, again, he's getting re- he's getting like a, an inch away from somebody's face. And they're like, why are you so close to my face? And he's like, <laughs> it's a black. It's I'm black. And it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, he does. He does actually say like, yeah. it's my culture. It's my 
my culture. Which is like, no, no, yeah. being it, yeah. getting really close to people's faces. And yeah. I remember. I, mean, I don't like anybody an inch away from my face. I was his age at the time. Well, I was a little younger than him. But I remember the fighting technique. It's called wingspan. Uh huh. You get close to somebody and then you raise your arms and then you look much bigger than you actually are because yeah. you have this wingspan. Right. And yes. then you make them want to hit you. Yeah. <laughs> so then they've done something yes. else. Yeah. Uh, okay. So from the apartment. We go to the New York and Poets Cafe. Oh, once well, so wonderful. Which is a thing that you knew, like the the person who introduces Kevin, you Bob knew. Holman. Okay, I don't know who that is. Bob Holman was uh, sort of the major domo of the New York and uh, it was started by Puerto Rican poets. Uh-huh. He was the guy that ran the slams. He was sort of like the face of the place to a certain degree, mm-hmm. um, and he I, I he wrote this amazing poem that was on a compilation uh in uh 91 i think it wasn't even 1990 but the poem was called 1990 Uh and his the refrain was it's 1990 and nelson mandela is free yeah and he repeated that a number of times throughout the poem and there was a whole thing about it and the future is coming super fast fast zap it zap it it was all this stuff it's like dude it's that you're not even you don't even have email yet yeah you're not even on prodigy yet much less aol it's like whoa everything in the future it's so fast it's so crazy and so I saw him. He ran the the Bowery Poetry Club for uh-huh. a while, which I it might still be there. But I I saw him, and I was like, Bob, man, uh, I was listening to a poem of yours the other day, mm-hmm. and I wasn't like, and it's the most dated thing I've ever heard in my life. I was like, I just listened to a poem of yours. He goes like, Oh, was it nineteen ninety? I was like, Yes. He was like, I just did that last week. I'm like. What? <laughs> like, uh, tell me there's a new verse. What? No, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's an ending where he goes, and Nelson Mandela is still free, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Uh-huh. But it really is like, by the way, I am all in for slam poetry. I'm not throwing shit. No, no, no. I'm in. Okay. I'm in. Uh, <laughs> well, this is where we differ. This is where you really find out about my arguing style. Because <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I am not. And the way that Kevin reads his poem, which I'm sure if I were to read it, would be a great poem. Maybe not. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. Bart Simpson and Arsenio Hall are my only friends. Oh, yes, he actually says, Bart Simpson and Arsenio Arsenio Hall are my only friends. friends. And he uses this tone. And he's saying like this. It's getting getting kind of hectic. He does say that. Yes, he does. He does say it's getting hectic. This, that makes me tune right out immediately you'd say things in that tone of voice right which jason from the real world boston will do a few years from now <laughs> he's a slam poet i that it just makes me crazy it like if you want to keep a secret from me tell it, me tell it to me in a slam poem because i will i will immediately check out i stole your money yep. i don't I'm, i wrecked your I'm car into a tree right now oh man yeah he also he does the thing where he uses funny voices where he does like characters yes. in the poem <sighs> and yeah it's really it's a lot of it's a lot of slam poetry mm-hmm. um I, I clearly remember him also being a protege of this guy seku sundiata who a lot of myself ani defranco a lot of people who went through the downtown poetry at that time uh-huh were mentored by taught by yeah and he was he was supposed to be good he like the line on kevin powell was like oh this guy's good yeah like, like this is like seku's okay. man of the moment okay um uh, that being said with the perspective of time mm-hmm. do not think he those particular poems were a lasting contribution to our culture okay well we'll have to give him another read. <laughs> uh, by the way the poem that he reads is called mental terrorism 
Oh. So he's a bit ahead of his time. Uh, well, you yeah, look, look. Bart Simpson and Arsenio Hall were his only friends. What do you expect? What do you expect? How, how is this story going to end? Uh, while this, uh, the, these poems are being slammed, uh, Eric is at home cheering Julie up. Like a concentrated yes. cheer-up yes. session. Yes. With a, with a guitar that he doesn't know how to play and a series of hats that he looks goofy in. And he, he, he sings a, uh, like a really cringeworthy, like fake blues. Yeah, that's, it's yeah. not good. It's not good. No. But it's like, oh, that's a nice. He, like, when was the last time you were cheered up by somebody? You know that's I mean? true. Like, that's hey, true. You could use me right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kick dirt like a chicken. Put it, <laughs> that's right. He did that. Yeah. And uh, put on funny hats. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Oh, I, I just want to rewind to one thing, which is uh, we have this whole back and forth about what happened in the loft right. between Julie and Kevin. And here's what I my question was is, were there not cameras Where? recording every single moment? Were the cameras? <laughs> like, did they? Did, uh, Where was, were the cameras? Was this the moment that they were like, oh, my God, I got an idea for you, Bunham Murray. Yeah. Cameras at night. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah. Or just, yeah, just like. Spy cams around the place picking up everything. Yes. Or just never a dinner hour for the cameraman or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, just like, a, you know, there's somebody always ready to go. Have somebody on the night yeah. shift. Yeah. One guy. Yeah. It's clear that there, from a lot of things that happen off camera, that there was uh, like a union one hour break for the cameraman. <laughs> and that's when people felt like they could speak freely and some things happened. And that's when... Sp- Things started getting real, and so that's somewhat of a uh, false advertising mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was partially real. It was partially real. It was mostly real. Uh, well, one of my favorite favorite real-world moments of all time is on the reunion. Yeah. The neck, It was either before San Francisco, might have been before London, is Heather B. was like, everyone says they were taken out of context. It wasn't out of context. You were there. You said that. Uh-huh. It was just this incredible moment of, you know, because we've been reading years. Of people, oh, they take me out of context. They take me yeah. out of context. Yeah. And it was, it was great. Heather B. winning always. Always. Mm. Now you can tell when they're constructing a quote. Now you can tell when it's what is called a Franken quote. <laughs> I'm a I'm a Bachelor franchise watcher, and you can tell right. when it's like I want to go yeah to bed yeah with <laughs> whatever. It's like it, that's not, and they're never on camera for it. Like you can tell. Well, now that everyone does uh, digital editing in yeah. music, everyone knows how to how to edit words out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to hear the edits. Yeah. And you know, now people spend a lot of time doing the crossfade between words and like, they have to be very meticulous. They have to get room tone, like mm-hmm. all this stuff at the time, it, you know, they could, you know, just stick it together. No one would tell. Right. So, right. but that being said, there were fewer Franken quotes, yeah. which is a fabulous term. No, no, you can really tell. There are currently, um, uh, back, the apartment in our in our final act uh julie comes back uh she's talking to somebody she's on the phone or something and kevin writes on his hand want to talk oh yes and uh and they go outside and they you know they have another stoop fight stoop fight part two yeah uh which is a difficult one he gets very up in her face because he's black and he's emotional yes um according according to him according to him that's what he says that's what he says yeah um he finally gets to the point where he says, all right, my anger might have been misdirected. 
Uh, he's just angry. He was maybe angry about something else. He does an enormous amount of, of my least favorite uh, fighting tactic, which is the mirthless laughter. Oh, yes. You know? Oh. Somebody says something. Is <laughs> Awful. It's like, oh, shit. You don't think that's funny. Also, this was a seismic event, mm -hmm. this stoop fight. This resonated throughout the culture mm -hmm. of of 20-somethings, right. white 20-somethings that with cable mm -hmm. in America. Um, everybody talked about the stoop fight. This was a... This is a big factor in people hating Kevin. Sure. Um, not the most unhateable thing in the world. Again, as an adult, I look at it and go, hey, you're being a dick and you lost control and just mm -hmm. say, dude, I was being a dick. I'm sorry. Right. Which he eventually kind of does. Right. And in the, and in the meantime, while he's doing it, uh, explains racism versus prejudice yes which is still a thing Absol that you have to tell people yes 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 yes, yes. there's a difference like he's still even though he's angry and even though he might have lost his cool like everybody in the house does at one point or right. another like every person does at one point or another he still manages to have wisdom and make sense yes which is amazing uh, uh yeah and people still say the dumbest fucking shit to him it's yeah. like really mm -hmm. really yeah um so he's to be commended for actually having a sensible reaction yes to some of that stuff yes um now here was a very remarkable aspect of this episode was everyone let it go yes the, there was the release of the anger and uh -huh. then for some reason everybody was cool yep do not know how that happens mm -hmm. but everyone was like like is well, are, they got it out do young people just have lower stakes with stuff like that no i mean i just i think you get it out you get it out of you you take a walk around the block and then you feel better again you are more of an adult than i i more when well, i know more of an adult i bet i pay my fucking taxes come on i get haircuts regularly mm -hmm. um follow my quarterlies come on but okay. um you are a more emotionally together person. I don't know that that's true at all. Oh, dude! No, 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 no! You just, you just don't, you don't know what my world is like. Okay, <laughs> like, back at you, my friend. <laughs> you like it's, a, but I, I am frequently mm -hmm. in all my life. I remember coming to your house to for a party for the first time and being like. These people are living like people. Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. But I mean, there were four. I mean, you know, we were 30 years old and we each had three roommates. But that was New York. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. We were 20s. 20s. It's legal. Yeah, 29. 29. 29. Um, Dude, people, I, I, I swear to God, I left New York two years ago now uh -huh. and I'm still seeing people who are pushing 40 in New York. You know, putting up Facebook posts that they're looking for a roommate, and I'm like, oh my! Well, I mean, you have to. What the fuck yeah. else are you gonna do in New York? Yeah, like, like. That's why in New York, if you go out on three dates and it works out, it's like, well, you better move, move in. Move in, yeah. Better get out here. Can't can't afford to live in Greenpoint otherwise. Um, oh, I uh, okay. So we end then right. with a celebration, a party. Yes, Kevin and Eric's birthday party, and uh, this is just a little teaser because we really get into the meat of this in uh, in episode twelve. But mixed race lady Miss Kier from D Light comes. And oh yes, yeah, and she the most 90, 1992 person who ever lived. <laughs> Wait, no, Heather hits her, or well, we'll find out in the next episode. That is what is called a cliffhanger. Uh, but there is some drama at the house with uh, with a woman who wants a cup and doesn't want to pay for it. Uh, there is, uh, there, yeah, she, uh, she maybe hits her. Maybe they get into some sort of a slappy fighty kind of a situation. The police come, the police snatch 
Heather up, put her in the back of a car. She drives off while the other six lofties watch her go. <laughs> I would like to end this up ep- this episode, our episode, by quoting something that will probably never get said. That was often said in the series that w- would vanish from reality television. A breaking of the fourth wall. Uh-huh. Eric looks at the camera and says, "If you don't get that camera off me, I'm just gonna die." Wow. Yeah. Like no breaking of the fourth wall now. Oh, that no. was Julie. Oh, it was it was Julie? Julie? Yeah, you really? might have written it down, Eric. But yeah, it was Julie. Because then she, uh, she, I'm just gonna die. <laughs> and then she puts her foot over it. I just attribute all weird things to Eric. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, that is it for episode eleven. Eleven. Episode eleven. Man, we're getting deep into it. Yep. We're almost out of getting here. Getting to the end. We're getting to the end, folks. Boom. Get ready to pack your bags and move out of the loft. Yep. We'll be back with episode twelve very soon. Yeah.